down at the cheese and the sausage and the bread, and she said, "I'm so hungry from being lost." Geese, geese, fly down quick! Rescue little Kalisik! At that moment, the hunter let loose with his magic arrow. We love stories. It's time for the apple seed, filled with stories for you and your family. I'm Sam Payne, your host. Such a pleasure for me to be with you. Since 2013, we've been bringing you tall tales and personal tales and fairy tales and historical tales and more. All kinds of tales from all kinds of tellers from all over the place. And today, you'll hear an original fairy tale from Dan Kedeng about a girl who could conjure nighttime in a box. A story called "The Black Cat." And you'll hear Margaret Reed McDonald tell the story of a little boy. Outsmarting a terrifying ogress in the Ukrainian folktale Telesik, and she'll tell it with an auto harp on her knee. Finally, you'll get to hear some old folktales, one from Southeast Asia by Brenda Wong Aoki, and an African folktale brought to you by Ishu Bumpus. It's all coming up on the Apple Seed. And to introduce us to the first story that we're going to hear today, I'm pleased to be joined in the studio by one of our assistant producers, Samantha Danes. It's great to have you with me. Great to be here. We get to hear Dan Kedding's story. Yeah. Tell me about the black cat. This was one of the first stories when I started working here that I wanted to put on the show, but we couldn't get it on there until now. Um, I love it. It's Dan Ketting has such a smooth voice, <laughs> and is so oh his his voice is just so fun to listen to. And this story is one I'd I'd never heard before, and mm-hmm. I. I think it's his own invention. Hmm. Um, and I always really enjoy listening to stories that sound like they could be fairy tales. Mm-hmm. Um, but weren't in the original Grimm Brothers, but are just have that kind of little bit of magic in them that just sure. makes them makes them fairy tales. Yeah. Um, so it's a really fun original fairy tale from Dan Ketting. You know, you get all kinds of stories from Dan Ketting. There are a lot of storytellers kind of specialize. They tell one kind of story. They tell personal tales or they tell historical tales or they tell fairy tales. And Dan tell, kind of tells everything. You know, mm-hmm. he has this history. We've talked about it on the show before, him kind of at the knee of his grandmother from Croatia uh, learning her stories. But, of course, now he tells stories from his own life, stories from all over the world that are traditional tales and stories composed by Dan himself. This is a terrific one, The Black Cat, told for you by Dan Kenning here on The Appleseed. Once a long time ago, but not so long that we can't remember, there was a little girl named Sarah, and she lived in a village, in a small cottage right at the village's end. She had a little plot of ground where she grew some vegetables and some herbs. And Sarah would take care of herself, for you see, her parents had died when she was young. Oh, the neighbors looked in once in a while, but she was all alone. And she cut wood in the forest and sold it to the neighbors. And she took care of their children, and once in a while she would sell a few eggs from her only chicken. Sarah was very, very poor, but every month she was able to put away one penny for something special for herself, something she wanted to do. She wanted to go on a picnic. And after months and months and months of saving, she had enough money. She bought herself a big square of cheese, a large sausage, and a soft white loaf of bread. She put them in her basket, a tablecloth on top of it, and off she went into the woods. She found herself a beautiful sunny spot in a glade. She spread out the tablecloth. She put down the cheese, 
and the sausage and the bread and a big jug of sweet spring water. She was just about to cut into the sausage when she heard, Now which way did I go? Did I go left when I should have gone right? Or did I go east when I should have gone north? Perhaps I went south when I should have gone west. Did I go backwards instead of forwards? Which way did I go? And Sarah couldn't believe her eyes, for around the bend in the trail came a little lady about four feet tall and about four feet wide. And she was mumbling to herself about directions and which way she had gone. When she saw Sarah, she walked over and said, Child, where am I? Sarah smiled and said, If you take the path in the direction you were going, you'll be in our village in about ten minutes. Oh, I did go right when I should have gone north. Hmm, silly me. The little lady looked down at the cheese and the sausage and the bread, and she said, I'm so hungry from being lost. And Sarah smiled and said, Will you join me? Thank you. And she plopped down on the ground. Sarah split everything in half and gave half to the little lady. And the two of them sang and laughed and told jokes and stories all afternoon. Finally, the little lady stood up and said, I have to go now, but I'm going to give you a present. A present? What for? Because you were so kind to me, showing me that I was going in the wrong direction and giving me part of your lunch. Oh, I didn't give you those things for a gift. Oh, I know that, said the little lady. If you had, I wouldn't be giving you one. And she reached into the basket she kept by her side, and she pulled out a beautiful white kitten. And the kitten had sparkling, sparkling blue eyes, and just above its tail it had a black mark like a half moon. The little lady handed it to Sarah and said, Take good care of this kitten, and it will grow to be a huge cat and a great hunter. And every Thursday it will bring you a rabbit, and every Sunday a salmon. And saying her goodbyes, she walked into the woods, mumbling to herself about what direction she should be going in. Sarah looked down at that little white kitten, and she said, Finally, I have a friend, someone to talk to and keep me company. And she went back to her cottage. And over the next few months, that little white kitten grew and grew and grew till it was a huge tomcat. And true to the little lady's words, it became a great hunter. And every Thursday, it brought her a rabbit. And every Sunday, it brought her a salmon. And sometimes it brought her extra food, which she shared with her neighbors. And she had someone to talk to and someone who would sit on her lap in the cold winter evenings. Sarah was happy, and so was the cat. But one day she woke up, and her white cat was gone. There instead was a huge black tomcat with sparkling blue eyes and right above its tail a patch of white fur shaped like a half moon. Sarah looked at him and said, Are you my cat? And he meowed loudly and jumped in her lap. Soon the people of the village noticed that the cat had turned black. Some people thought it was magic. Others thought that the cat had just gotten tired of cleaning itself in that dirty little cottage and just turned black all on its own to save itself the bother of washing. But now that it was black, and such a black it was, as black as a raven's wing, it was twice as good a hunter, for now it could go through the night not only soundless but almost invisible, and it brought her even more food. As the years went on, Sarah started to notice the boy next door, and he started to notice her, and they spent time together, and sometimes the cat would follow them as they went for walks in the woods. 
One day, the boy's mother came over and said, Sarah, you know I loved your mother. God rest her soul. And you know we tried to be good to you, though we haven't had much to share with you, though we tried to share whatever we had. Hasn't been much in the past. Won't be much in the future. But there's one thing I have to tell you today, girl. You can't marry my son. Why not, said Sarah. Well, you don't have anything. You're just too poor. All you do is sell sticks you find in the forest to the people in the village. All you have is this little cottage, that little garden, and that black cat, and God knows. I appreciate the food you've given me over the years that cat has brought to you, but it is suspect why a cat would turn black after being white. But that's not really it. Sarah, my son needs something. He needs money or land or something. You don't have anything. Till you can put thirty gold pieces into the palm of my hand, I don't want you two seeing each other any more. And she walked out the door, and poor Sarah sat there in her little cottage in tears. Her cat jumped in her lap and tried to comfort her. Two days later, the Duke was having a wedding for his daughter. The king himself was coming to the wedding. And the Duke had invited the entire village to come to the castle. They set tables out outside. And all the common folks sat in the courtyard while the duke and his guests and the king sat in the great hall. Food was plentiful, and Sarah tried to steal a glance at her young man, but the mother kept getting in the way. After dinner, the king came out with his magician, and he said, People of the village, my magician here will do some tricks for you. And the magician found coins behind the children's ears. He pulled a rabbit out of a box. Oh, he did many wonderful tricks. And finally, the king raised his voice and said, Magician, I heard that the king of England has a magician that can bring him nighttime in a box. Can you do that for us? And the magician said, Well, you see, no. What do you mean, no? No, I don't know that trick. You don't. Do you mean that the king of England has a magician that knows a trick that you don't know? Well, I guess so, said the magician. Be off with you then. And the king looked horribly annoyed. And he turned to all the people and said, I will give five hundred gold crowns to whoever can bring me nighttime in a box. And the duke said, I'll give two hundred. And one of the princesses, I'll give a hundred. And an earl said, I'll give two hundred. And soon it was a fortune. And people stared at each other, wondering who could do such an amazing trick. And all of a sudden, Sarah smiled. She ran back to her cottage emptied her basket, picked up her big black tomcat, put him inside the basket and said, Shh, go to sleep. He curled up, and soon she heard him purring. She ran back to the castle and knocked on the big gate. A guard came out and said, What do you want, child? Tell the king that I have brought him nighttime in a basket. The guard disappeared and came back a moment later. Follow me. And she came to the great hall, and there was the king and the duke and the earl, everyone sitting there. She walked up and she curtsied and said, Your Majesty, in my basket I have the darkest, blackest night. In my basket I have twinkling stars. In my basket I have a shining half-moon. And as she said those words, the hall became cold and the candles flickered. The king and all the nobility walked over and ringed around her. Slowly she opened up the top of her basket, and everyone looked inside, and there was the darkest, darkest black they'd ever seen. 
and all of a sudden the cat opened up its eyes, and the candlelight flickered off those eyes into a thousand stars, and it took their breath away. And then she pulled the tail back, and there was the half-moon shining in that dark night. And the king started to laugh, and he took a pouch of gold and dropped it inside that basket, and the cat jumped out. And all the nobility poured their gold coins in that basket. And then the king looked at her and said, So, Sarah, now you're as rich as we are. What are you going to do with all your wealth, girl? And Sarah told him the story of the boy she loved and wanted to marry, and how his mother said they couldn't. And the king sent for the mother and the boy. And when the mother saw that basket full of gold, she said, Oh, my new daughter-in-law! And the king's own bishop married the two on the spot. And that evening, Sarah moved in with her new husband and her new mother-in-law and a basket full of gold. Oh, and her cat went too. And every Thursday he brought them a rabbit, and every Sunday a salmon. Dan Kedding, the Chicago storyteller with the story of the black cat. What a delightful tale. A little riddle embodied as the black cat. Yeah. <laughs> Solved by a clever little girl. That's right. <laughs> are you a cat person, Sam, or are you a dog person? Uh, I have to say, l- listen, I know this I know this is a I know this seems like a complete cop out answer to that frequently asked question. <laughs> but I'm both. I'm both. I love dogs and I love cats. I accept that. I don't think it's a cop out. I think yeah. you can love them both. We we have we have important dogs. Uh uh there are there are dogs that are important in our lives and there are also cats that are important in our lives. I'm listening to this story and I'm thinking of uh there is a mother cat that uh we think was astray and gave birth to a litter of kittens and they live in our backyard. Oh and, really? Yeah, and they won't get close to us. We can't. We can't catch them. Uh-huh. Uh huh. We can't. They won't let us pet them or anything like that. You know, they won't get close to us, but we can feed them. We feed them oh, uh, on the back porch, and they come together. The four kittens. And oh, they, that's adorable. And they they eat, and they, and they we 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 are interpreting that as a sort of love, <laughs> even though they run from us as soon as they see actually that's see so us. So sweet. But uh, but yeah, and and and, and uh, I'm thinking about just the other day we were. We were uh, coming out of a restaurant, mm-hmm. and we saw this enormous, beautiful black cat. We wondered for a moment if it was a stray. We thought – we even opened the car door. Can you believe we did that? We opened the car door and said, hey, gear kitty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're so lovable. And then its owner came up. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, and, and, and so I was trying to steal his cat. So <laughs> that's kind of how that story went. That's funny. Did you get caught? <laughs> We were we we explained to the other. We thought maybe this was a stray. Oh, it's not wearing a collar, funny. et cetera, et cetera. But uh, yeah, so all of that is to say that no, I uh, we cats are cats are dear for sure. <laughs> I know. I love I love cats and dogs both. But my my parents never let us own dogs growing up, right. so we had cats. Yeah, and I just I had a little orange tabby cat when yeah. I was eight years old, and I named her Kathy. <laughs> that's Kath, a good Kathy the cat. Yeah, that's a good cat um, name. And I adored that cat. Like it could do no wrong. It was just <laughs> 
it's the sweetest, loveliest thing and would yeah. snuggle with me and would love me. And cats can be kind of standoffish sometimes, but if you find yourself a good one, they'll yeah. they'll love you. And the thing is, I get it when people say, I'm not a cat person. I don't even like cats. Mm-hmm. I've known enough cats to think, yeah, I get it. Yeah. I, I totally get it. And and the same with dogs. If somebody says, I'm not a dog person. I've known some dogs. I don't like dogs. I, I find myself going, yeah, I, I get it. Mm-hmm. As for me in my house, we're cat and dog people. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you hear a story like that, and suddenly you're telling cat stories. Right? Yeah, there's they, everybody's got them, you know. Right. I've got a neighbor in my apartment complex who's got a cat, and I'll sneak over there sometimes just to play with it, <laughs> just to snuggle and feel some love from a cuddly animal. Well, listen, if you've got a cat story. Open your mouth. Tell that cat story to someone you love around the kitchen table or the living room. That's what we're all about here on The Appleseed. Samantha, thanks so much for joining me. Anytime. And there's a lot more coming up on The Appleseed. You're listening to The Appleseed. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back to The Appleseed. Here's Sam Payne. It's such a pleasure for me to be with you on today's episode of The Appleseed. Already this hour, we've been treated to a Dan Ketting story, if you're just joining us. We heard the story, The Black Cat, about conjuring nighttime in a box from Chicago storyteller Dan Ketting. A pleasure to hear that story. And in just a little bit, you're going to hear a story from Margaret Reed MacDonald, librarian and storyteller. The story is called Telesic, about a boy who outsmarts a fierce ogress. But first, because we know that the sharing of memories can sometimes be the spark that ignites a story for you that you can share with the people that you love, here's a memory of mine, a memory about a phone call that held in it a life lesson. It's today's entry in the Radio Family Journal. The Radio Family Journal with Sam Payne. A tiny little story for you and your family. Right when you need it. On the Appleseed. Maybe you've been there. I found myself one time in the uncomfortable position of sitting in front of my phone wondering whether I ought to make a phone call. The recipient of the intended call was to be a store that I had visited earlier in the day. A store that, after a kind of awkward conversation, had wound up charging me about three times what I'd expected to pay for a particular service. In all fairness to me, it was about three times what I'd paid in the very recent past at the very same place for the very same service. And in all fairness to the girl behind the counter, she had tried to warn me. And I responded by getting about three times as frustrated as I ought to have while emptying my wallet. Well, again, maybe you've had days like that. There I sat, several hours later in front of the phone, wondering if my frustration and my empty wallet warranted a phone call to, I don't know, make my case. Probably not. I decided it's probably best just to let it lie. Lesson learned. Probably should just leave the phone on the desk and get on with my day. I thought all that just before I picked up the phone and dialed. Maybe you've been there, too. There was no logic talking there, just frustration. And you know what kind of powder keg that can be. Well, the person who answered the phone, not the person who had helped me earlier, mind you, was about to get an earful. I think the clinical term for what I was about to do is wig out. I'd already had the practice over the course of the day yelling, if only in my mind, at a few unfortunate cars that had committed the sin of sharing the road with me, and I was well warmed up. Well, the phone rang, and the first ring stiffened my resolve even further. 
The person on the other end of the line was going to get a good, healthy piece of my mind. Well, no one picked up on that first ring. The phone rang again. No answer. And then again. And with each ring, something happened. I cooled off a bit. I cooled off a bit between the first and second ring, and I cooled off a bit between the second and third ring. And that's when I heard the voice on the other end of the phone. And I don't know why on earth this happened, except maybe grace. But when it came down to it, I spoke to the person on the other end like a regular human being. What a concept. I was calm, and I just asked some questions and more or less courteously told the story of what had happened in their store earlier and asked if maybe there'd been some mistake. As it turned out, there hadn't been much of one. Somewhere in the middle of the conversation, I said to the girl, you know, I didn't know if I should even call. I really don't want to be a jerk about this. It was just frustrating, that's all. And she said, oh, that's okay, Mr. Payne. It's actually nice to have someone call in with a complaint who's willing to explain without shouting. Oh, by the way, this is Mackenzie Stanley. Remember me? Well, my word. Mackenzie Stanley. That name won't mean anything to you, probably, but it hit me like a brick. Mackenzie had been a student of mine back when I was a high school teacher. I was, for better or for worse, in the unenviable position of being a role model, as teachers are or can be. And my heart leapt to my throat, partly out of thanks that I didn't completely wig out on her, and partly out of horror at how close I had come to wigging out on her. I mean, I knew Mackenzie, and she didn't deserve to be wigged out on, especially by one of her former high school teachers. And another thought hit me in that moment. If it hadn't have been Mackenzie Stanley at the other end of the line, if it had been someone I didn't know, would I have felt more comfortable wigging out on them, or at least less relieved that I had kept my cool? After all, if it hadn't been Mackenzie, whom I knew, it would have been somebody that somebody knew, and probably somebody that didn't deserve to be wigged out on any more than Mackenzie did. I had a lot to think about as I hung up the phone. I had been reminded that the way we treat each other matters, whether we know each other or not. And that may seem elementary, but still, it was sobering in the throes of really pretty minor frustration in the grand scheme of things, to be reminded. In any case, after practicing not wigging out on someone I know, I felt ready and anxious even to head out into this crazy world and not wig out on some more people, maybe even perfect strangers. The Radio Family Journal of Sam Payne. A tiny little story for you and your family. Right when you need it, on the Appleseed. Thanks for joining us for that entry in the Radio Family Journal. Have you ever learned something, a life lesson through an interaction with someone random, either in person or on the phone like I did in that memory? Well, those can sometimes be stories worth sharing. Open your mouth around the kitchen table or the living room and share those tales. You can share them with us as well. You can send us an email at theappleseed at byu.edu. Coming up in just a little bit, you're going to hear from Margaret Reed McDonald, the librarian and storyteller who's going to entertain you with an auto harp on her lap and a story called Telesic about a boy who outsmarts a fierce ogress. And you'll hear from Brenda Wong Aoki with a story called Left Hand Story. But first, how about a conversation with a friend? 
Great stories come into our lives in so many ways, through the films that we see, the books that we treasure, the meals that we share, the songs that we remember, and of course, from the memories that we tell as stories to each other around the kitchen table or the living room. Sometimes those stories last generations and generations and make for memories that last a lifetime. And talking about some of the ways in which great stories get down into our lives is something that we love to do with friends here on The Appleseed. I'm really delighted delighted to be joined by one of our favorite storytellers, Donald Davis. He joins me from his home in North Carolina. Donald Davis, it's such a pleasure to have you with me. Oh, thank you, Sam. It's wonderful to be here. <laughs> you know, there are so many doorways through which we can enter into um, a memory about someone that we love. And one of my favorite ones is the doorway of a song, you know. Uh, we we hear a song and suddenly it brings to mind the place that we were when we learned it. It brings to mind the people that we knew and loved who knew and loved that song. You've got a song that's dear to you. Let's talk about it. Well, uh, in, in 1893, there's a man named James Milton Black, who was an American hymn writer, but he also taught Sunday school. Mm -hmm. And one Sunday, he was calling the role in his Sunday school class, children's class, and there was one little girl who was not there. And he went to visit her to find out what was wrong. And it turned out she had pneumonia and was very, very sick. Mm -hmm. And he got the doctor to come and, and saved her life. Uh, but later he began to thinking about how she was not there when he called the row. And, and, and he thought he was haunted by the idea of what happens, uh, what happens if someone's not there when the role is called in heaven. Mm -hmm. And so he wrote this old song called When the Roll is Called Up Yonder, I'll Be There. And lots and lots of people have recorded it. Probably, probably Johnny Cash was one of the mm. uh, best-known recordings. But yeah. way before Johnny Cash came along, it was my grandfather's, I think, favorite hymn. Uh, he, he lived, he and my grandmother lived on a farm way back in the Smoky Mountains in North Carolina. They had no electricity. They had no running water. So they lived in a log house. So when it got dark at night, it was truly, truly, really, really dark. And uh, I'd be there visiting, and he would be coming back to the house at night on the edge of darkness. And I'd hear him singing at the top of his voice coming up the road. He would sing, when the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more. And the morning breaks, eternal, bright and fair. When the saved diverse shall gather over on the other shore, when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. And then he'd sing the chorus. When the roll is called up yonder, 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 I'll be there. And my grand, when I was a little boy, my grandmother told me, he sang that song because he was scared of the dark <laughs> and he was afraid something was going to get him in the dark. And if he ended up going straight to heaven, when they called the road, he'd be there. I thought it was interesting because I remember my grandfather as a person who, who didn't go to church. Hmm. Um, the family went to church, but my granddaddy didn't go inside. You know, people would stand around outside and talk. And then when they rang the bell, everybody would go inside. 
and he would not go inside. He would stay outside. Now in that old country church, he could hear what was happening through the windows because the windows would be pushed up. But what he did during church was he'd take his pocket knife and he'd go out to the cemetery and he would trim, he would trim all the weeds and all the little bushes and everything going on in the cemetery. And so that was his kind of mission to keep the cemetery clean during church. <laughs> so it just brought back, you know, all kinds of memories. He was an extremely hard-headed person. Yeah. And um, his children always called him Grady. They didn't call him daddy. They called him Grady. Hmm. And I remember one time going out to his house. And as we went down the old dirt road, he was out in the cow pasture with a mattock and he was grubbing something, you know, with the, with the mattock. He was yeah. digging up something. And we stopped and went out there. My dad said, what are you doing, Grady? And he said, I'm grubbing these bull nettles out of the pasture. Old briary nettles growing up. And, and all of a sudden, there was a big old bull nettle that was grown up entwined with a pokeberry, uh, pokeberry you know, bush, sure. weed. Yeah. Uh -huh. And he was trying to tease the, the, uh, the nettle out and uh, not mess up the pokeberry. And my dad said, Grady, why, why don't you just dig up that old pokeberry? And my granddaddy popped around and says, because I'm grubbing nettles. I'm not grubbing pokeberries. <laughs> so he might have come back the next day and been grubbing pokeberries. <laughs> so, so when he died at his funeral, we were waiting to start. And my brother and his wife and their three-year-old daughter we're not there and we kept mm -hmm. waiting and we were late and we 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 had to wait you know we weren't going to start without you know without my brother and his family being there and they finally got there about oh i don't know five or ten minutes late and we said what happened what happened they said oh care was pitching a fit and we couldn't get her here and we said you mean kara or you mean the spirit of grady you know <laughs> his hard-headedness living on so every time I hear that song, just so many memories come back. My grandfather is all is completely there again. Yeah. You know, songs will do that. They are themselves beautiful little artifacts. They they bring yep. us a lot of enjoyment and inspiration yep. in their own right. But when you walk, what you I, I I've always said that songs are a little like zip files. You know, you you yep. touch one of them and it opens up into a memory a lot bigger than the song ever is. It sure does, because yeah. that, that memory could just go on and on and on. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully that memory, the memories that Donald Davis has shared with you today will bring memories to your mind that you can share with the people that you love. Again, that kind of storytelling lasts, uh, can make for memories that last a lifetime. Such a pleasure to be joined by Donald Davis today. Donald, thank you so much for joining us. The great North Carolina storyteller Donald Davis. Fun to be joined in conversation by him, and we'll be sure to have him back. There's a lot more coming up this hour. You're going to hear a story called Left Hand Story from Brenda Wong Aoki, a story recorded at the Timpanogos Storytelling Festival, largest storytelling festival in the West, having brought great storytelling to stages and concert halls and festival tents and classrooms for more than 30 years. And you'll also hear hear a story called Telesic from Margaret Reed MacDonald, a story about a boy who outsmarts a fierce ogress. You won't want to miss a single word. I'm Sam Payne. 
You're listening to The Appleseed. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back to The Appleseed. Here's Sam Payne. It's such pleasure for me to be with you on today's episode of The Appleseed. If you're just joining us, a moment ago, we had a great conversation with the wonderful North Carolina storyteller Donald Davis. Memories brought on by thoughts of hymns, like when the roll is called up yonder. Up next, a story from Margaret Reed MacDonald, who has spent as much time introducing kids to great books as a librarian all over the world as she has on stage as a wonderful storyteller. This is a story from a collection of stories called Fat Cat and Friends, and the story is called Telesick. This is a story about a boy who outsmarts a fierce ogress. It's a Ukrainian folk tale, and we're very happy to bring it to you on the Appleseed. Little Telesik. It's a folktale from the Ukraine. Little Telesik's papa said, Telesik, Telesik, how would you like to have a little boat all of your own? You could go out on the lake fishing by yourself. Oh, papa, papa said Telesik, I would love that. So Telesik's papa made him a little golden boat and a little silver oar. Ah, Telesik climbed into his little boat. He pushed off from the shore and he began to sing and row. Row, golden boat, row, silver oar. Carry little Telesik away from the shore. Row, golden boat, row, silver oar. Carry little Telesik away from the shore. Row, golden boat, row, silver oar. Carry little Telesik away from the shore. Way out into the middle of the lake he rowed. And then he dropped his hook to fish. He waited. He waited. caught a fish. Oh, yes. He lowered his hook again. And he waited. And he waited. Caught one. Caught one. I caught another one. I caught another one. (laughs) He fished all morning. He caught five little fish. At lunchtime, his mother came down to the shore with his lunch. And she called to him. Tell us sick. Tell us sick. Come to your mama, tell us sick, tell us sick, come to your mama. Oh, he heard her sweet voice and he rode right to the shore. Row golden boat, row silver oar, carry little Telesic closer to the shore. Row golden boat, row silver oar, carry little Telesic closer to the shore. His mama handed him his lunch. Thank you, mama. Thank you. I'm going to row back out in the middle and eat my lunch. 
And he turned around and rode back to the middle of the lake. Rode golden boat, rode silver oar, carried little Talisic away from the shore. Rode golden boat, rode silver oar, carried little Talisic away from the shore. And out in the middle of the lake, he ate up all of his lunch. Hmm. Talisic's mama did that every day. She would bring him his lunch. He would run out in the middle and eat it. And then he would row back in the evening and go home. But one day, when Talisic's mama was singing her song, the wicked dragoness was passing by in those parts. And she heard his mama. Talisic, Talisic, come to your mama. Oh, the dragon lady saw Talisic. Row to the shore, row golden boat, row silver oar, carry little Talisic closer to the shore. Aha, the dragoness said, I know what I can do tomorrow. <clears throat> I will sing just like his mama. And he will row to the shore, and I will catch him and carry him away. Yes, yes, yes. And the next day, that's just what the dragoness did. She came down to the shore, she hid in the bushes, and she called, Talisic, Talisic. Come to your mama. Tell us sick. Tell us sick. Come to your mama. Tell us sick thought, wow, my mama came early and something's wrong with her voice. She must have a bad cold today. Huh? And he began to row to shore. Row golden boat, row silver oar, carry little Talisic closer to the shore. Row golden boat, row silver oar, carry little Talisic closer to the shore. But when he got closer, he heard her singing louder. Talisic, Talisic, come to your mama. Talisic, Talisic, come to your mama. Oh, that's not my mama singing. That's the wicked dragoness. Quick, row golden boat, row silver oar, row little Talisic away from the shore. Row golden boat, row silver oar, carry little Talisic away from the shore. Ooh, out to the middle of the lake he rode, and he stayed there, and he didn't go away till his mama did come. Ooh, ooh, wow. The dragoness went away. I didn't sing that right. I've got to learn to sing like his mama sings. I've got to practice. And she tried again. Row Talisic. Talisic. Oh, that's not right. Talisic. Talisic. Oh, that's not right either. Talisic. Talisic. That's still not quite right. Talisic. <coughs> Talisic. 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 It's getting better. Talisic. Talisic. Come to your mama. <laughs> Next day, the dragoness went down to the edge of the lake, and she called, Talisic, Talisic, come to your mama. Yes, Talisic, Talisic, come to your mama. That is my mama for sure. Row golden boat, row silver oar, carry little Talisic closer to the shore. Row golden boat, row silver oar, carry little Talisic closer to the shore. And when he drifted in, yeah, that dragon lady snatched little Talisic. 
popped him in her bag and stomped off into the forest. Help, help, oh, help, 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 help. Deep into the forest she carried him. Help, 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 help. And there she stopped by a huge sycamore tree because Telesic was a heavy little boy. Oh, I've got to rest a while, Telesic. You stay quiet in the bag. I'm going to take a little nap. The dragoness leaned against the sycamore tree. She began to sleep. Telesic began to work on the knot of the bag. Uh, he worked and he worked. He worked and he got that knot open. Oh, he got out of the bag. Yes. But the dragoness was trying to wake up. So he climbed the sycamore tree clear to the top. What he hid up there? Oh, Telesic. Where is my Telesic? Where is my tea? The bag is empty. There he is in the top of the sycamore tree. You won't get away from me, little Telesic. I can't climb the tree, but I can gnaw it down because I have sharp, sharp teeth. And the dragoness began to gnaw on that sycamore tree. In the top of the tree, Telesic was so frightened. And then he heard... It was a flight of geese. They were flying south for the winter. Geese, geese, fly down quick. Rescue little Telesic. We can't be bothered. Let the geese behind us rescue you. Oh, no. The dragoness was still chewing on that tree. She's going to get me. The tree's going to fall down. It was another flock of geese. Geese, geese, fly down quick. Rescue little Telesic. We can't be bothered. Let the geese behind us rescue you. Oh, no. She was still chewing on the tree. He was starting to wobble. Oh, help, help, help. Someone rescue me. And just then, another flock of geese. Geese, geese, fly down quick. Rescue little Telesic. We can't be bothered. Let the geese behind us rescue you. Oh, no. Someone has to save me. Someone has to save me. And here came one last little goose. She'd gotten lost from her flock. She was trying so hard to keep up. Goose, goose, fly down quick. Rescue little Telesic. And then he said, you've got to rescue me, little goose. You're my last chance. Oh, conk, conk, conk. Oh, Okay, okay, Telesic. Oh, conk, I'll rescue you. Climb on my back. And Telesic climbed on the back of the little goose. 
and she flew away. Unk, 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 away from the sycamore tree. Unk, 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 The dragoness was so angry she had ruined her teeth on that hard, hard sycamore tree. She went away from that territory and never came back. Unk, 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 The little goose, unk, 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 Carried Telesic back to his mama's house. Unk, 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 Tell us sick, tell us sick, you're home. What happened to you? said his mama. I went to the lake and the boat was empty. Oh, mama, the dragoness carried me off in her bag, but the little goose saved me. Oh, little goose, thank you, said his mama. You must spend the winter with us. Your family must have gone on south without you. Yes, said the little goose, I got left behind. Oh, you come into the house. We'll take care of you, said his mama. And she took the little goose into the house. And they fed her oats and grain all winter. And she got fat. And in the spring, the little lake thawed. And Telesic pushed his little golden boat out on the lake once more. And took the goose for a little ride. Row, golden boat, row, silver oar. Carry little Telesic away from the shore. Row, golden boat, row, silver oar. Carry little Telesic away from the shore. Out in the middle, Telesic baited his hook and dropped his line. Shh. I got one, I got one. Hulk, 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 said the little goose. You caught a fish. Hulk, hulk, hulk. Can I eat a Telesic? Sure. Hulk, hulk, hulk. And Telesic dropped his line. Shh. You got another one. I like it. Honk, honk, honk. And just then, the geese were flying back, and they landed with a splash all around the boat. It's my family, said the little goose. They've come to take me home. Oh, said Telesic, it's your family. Goodbye, little goose. Goodbye, Telesic, said little goose. Thank you for taking care of me all winter. Goodbye, little goose, said Telesic, and thank you for saving me. And the little goose flew away with her family. Goodbye, Telesic. Goodbye, little goose. Goodbye. Row golden boat, row silver oar, carry little Telesic back to the shore. Row golden boat, row silver oar, carry little Telesic back to the shore. Telesic, told for you by Margaret Reed MacDonald here on The Appleseed. And up next, we've got a story from Brenda Wong Aoki. This is a Hmong story about a little girl, a great hero, and a giant black bird. It's a story called Left Hand Story. And we're happy to wrap up with this tale on The Appleseed. It happened a long time ago, way up in the mountains where the Hmong people lived. There was a wonderful village of 3,000 happy people. Hello, how you doing? Sup. <laughs> they planted rice and corn and wintermelon. The village chief had a young daughter. Her name was Minzai. 
means I was about eight years old, and she was very much like other little girls that age, you know, except means I was a tiny bit of a crybaby. Well, one day, a hungry demon heard rice being washed. He changed himself into a bird. That afternoon, out of the northern sky came a big, black bird. He swooped down and... Sucked up half the people in the village as if they were so many worms lying in the grass. The rest of the people ran to the village chief. Help us, save us, they cried. The village chief was a very smart man. He knew he didn't know what to do, so he called somebody else. (laughs) In came the wise man. We must pray to the king of the sky. Ask him to send us a hero to save us. You should have figured that out yourself. What are you going to do when I'm dead? (laughs) So all the people who were left burned incense to the king of the sky and waited for the hero to save them. But the village chief was worried. He called his only child, Minsai. He put her inside the sacred village drum, sealed it up tight and said to her, Minsai, I want you to stay inside that there drum till that hero comes to save us, you hear? Minsai said from inside the drum, Then out of the northern sky came the big black bird. He swooped down and ah, sucked up all the rest of the people till there was no one left. But means I, hidden inside the drum. (laughs) Meanwhile, down the mountain, in the valley, the hunter shot up hooey was taking a nap under a tree. (sniffs) Up in heaven, the king of the sky said, Oh, he shall be the hero to save the village. So he floated down from the heavens, very quietly put hoof prints right in front of the hunter. (sniffs) Then he floated back, To the heavens. The hunter woke up. (sniffs) Whoa! I had this dreamless little guy came out of this. Hoof prints. Hoof prints. Looks like wild pig. I like pig. I love pig. I'm going to catch him and cook him and make barbecue my favorite. Oh, boy, wild pig. Oh, boy, wild pig. Oh, boy, wild pig. Oh, boy, wild pig. Through the valley, up the mountain. Oh, boy, wild pig. Oh, boy, wild pig. Oh, boy, wild pig. Oh, boy, wild pig. Till he came to this wonderful village with rice and corn and winter melon. Where's my wild pig? Pooey. A drum. I'll hit that drum. That wild pig will run out. 
I'm going to catch them and cook and make barbecue, and you can have some because you're listening so good. <laughs> tone, tone, tone. Ow, ow, ow. Eat me quick. I'm scared. Huh? Tone, tone, tone. Ow, ow, ow. Eat me quick. I'm scared. Huh? Tone. Ow. Stop it. The hunter took out his magic arrow and slit open the drum. Shh. Out popped Means High. Ow! She told him all about the big back bird. How he'd eaten up all the people. The hunter said, hmm, little girl, can you make the bird come here? That's so easy, because all you got to do is wash rice. Do that. Uh-uh. Please? No way! Do it! You're gonna be so sorry! Sure enough, out of the northern sky came a big black bird. He swooped down and... Ah! At that moment, the hunter let loose with his magic arrow. Shut The hunter took that magic arrow and he slit open the belly of the beast. Yeah. Oh man. Ew. Ew. Inside were thousands and thousands of human bones. This is all that was left of all the people in the village. Means high, for the first time, really began to cry. My daddy's in there. My daddy's in there. The hunter, he wasn't afraid of nothing except little kids crying for real. It made him feel so sad, too. So the hunter decided to put those bones back together. Means I continued to cry. Daddy, daddy. So the hunter worked faster. After 49 days and 49 nights, the hunter had put together 3,000 sets of bones. And Means High had wept 3,000 teacups of tears. The hunter took the tears and he threw them over each set of bones. And up popped all the people, just as happy as you please. Hello, how you doing, sub? Except the hunter worked so fast so that some people's arms were on backwards. And that's the reason why from this day to that, some people are left-handed and some people are right-handed. Brenda Wong Aoki with a story called Left Hand Story. 
told uh, on the stages of the Timpanogos Storytelling Festival, largest storytelling festival in the West, bringing great storytelling to the festival stage and the concert hall and the classroom for more than 30 years. It's been such a great hour, hasn't it? Not only that story from Brenda Wong Aoki, but also Telesik from Margaret Reed McDonald, that Ukrainian folk tale. We heard a great conversation with uh, Donald Davis, the wonderful North Carolina storyteller, filled with memories and hymns, and a story from Dan Kedding called The Black Cat as our delightful beginning story of this hour. You can find us online at byuradio.org slash Appleseed. That's where you'll find an archive of all of the episodes of the show. 2,000 episodes. Can you believe that? And each one of them filled with stories for you and your family. You can also subscribe to the podcast. There's something new there just about every day. Not only the full hour-long episodes of the Appleseed that you enjoy, but many episodes of the show, too. We call them extras. You'll hear a story from Glenda Bonin as today's Appleseed Extra, if you visit us there, a story called a ride to remember and you won't want to miss it I'm Sam Payne, can't wait to have you with us again on The Appleseed Thanks for joining us for an hour of stories, music and conversation, made for you and your family and brought to you by The Appleseed The show is a production of BYU Radio We'll see you next time